0: This week on Dig Me Out, I save you. I can't even save so save
1: with your hosts Jason Zia and Tim Minichi.
0: Jay, this week we're back with our april poll we had four albums up and our patrons got to vote jay did you did you participate in this poll did you vote for anything probably i usually do there was an album here that i thought you would be particularly interested in of our four yeah what was that well so these were the four we had the last place finisher was estero breathe from another which was mentioned in our uh First episode of the year by chip midnight uh, as being one of his favorite records of 1998 and so i threw it into the poll it only got eight percent unfortunately so the second last vote was the went to um vast which was the one i thought that really oh interested. yeah yeah i
1: voted that's what i voted for
0: visual audio sensory theater 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 uh, this was one I, I think you got this record, like when it came out, like, I think you were on board. You must have uh, read about it in a music magazine or something or heard about it somewhere.
1: It was like a cutout, like what, promo copy, I think. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. Maybe I could have just bought it based on it being a dollar or something.
0: So that was the, uh, the third place finish. Now, second place, which I thought was going to easily win based on the comments, was Fugazi's end hits, based on how many people talked about how great this record was, I thought, oh, okay, clearly this is gonna be the winner, but it wasn't. It lost by four no. percent to Stabbing Westwards' Darkest Days. That was our winner, and I, I think I have a theory here, Jay, is that everybody who is listening to this or who you know chimes in both on our Patreon page or on Facebook with comments. Who said, "Oh, Fugazi, that's an amazing album." A lot of people already know it's an amazing album, and you might be interested to hear what our take is. But our take is just going to be one of many takes on that record because it has been written about multiple times, as many Fugazi albums have. They don't have, you know, a thirty-album deep catalog, so there is a lot of lot written critically about those records. On the other hand, even though Stabbing Westward is a well-known name. I don't know that that much has been written about them, especially past the first album, uh, which had you know a big single. This one also had a big single, but the first one had a, had a bigger single. So it kind of made sense to me after I thought about it that Stabbing Westward won. I thought Vast might pull it out. I think at some point in the voting, uh, Vast was ahead, but it ended up going to Stabbing Westward. So there you go. That's where we ended up.
1: That's quite a horse race.
0: It was quite a horse race, and I'm glad once again, Jay, we did not go to a tie because <laughs> ties are not fun.
1: It's fun to watch these polls, though. Like they start in one direction, and then all of a sudden there's a there's a late turn, and I think I'm always surprised by it. like it's picked.
0: Yes, I want to mention you can go to patreon. dot com forward slash dig me out to become a patron. You can join us for as little as $1 a month. You get to vote in these fun polls. You get to chime in with your comments, which we'll then read on the air. And then also, uh, you, get ele- you are eligible for our quarterly giveaways, one which we just gave away for first quarter. So one of our uh, new logo T-shirts with our new 2018 logo for Dig Me Out, has been uh, added to the store. We'll add some more stuff to the store at Zazzle.com. Zazzle.com. So, Jay, you were familiar with Stabbing Westward, correct?
1: Yeah, I had the, um, was it Blister or something? something? Wither,
0: Blister, Wither, Peel and Burn. Yeah.
1: yeah, I got that. I want to say it was probably a BMG record. like Okay. A one penny
0: got it in the mail in a little cardboard box
1: yeah i'm one of those hey what the hell i kind of like that one song i'll i'll pick this up
0: yeah i probably i don't actually don't know that i actually bought the records back in the day i own that record now or cd now i mean i don't have it on vinyl i don't i don't think i bought it when it came out i might have ripped a burned cdr from (laughs) someone at some way at some point but uh i was not Hugely into uh, Stabbing Westward and their sounds. Let's get into some of the comments. People who mentioned Stabbing Westward, I'm going to I'm gonna start with them. Uh, Steven Muzinski says, uh, Man, this is going to be a tough choice. I loved Stabbing Westward for quite a while now. I love the cause to revisit this one. I also love Fugazi. Estro I checked out after the 1998 Roundtable episode, and I was digging it. But I've never heard of Vast. Based on the first three comments, I think I need to check them out. So... Uh Keithora said I'm going with Vast as well. Davy Bright and Hits. Rory Stevens, I finally joined the Patreon page after seeing that Stabbing Westward's Darkest Darkest Days album was up for a poll. Just in time, Rory. And guess what? It uh, it came out ahead. Have loved this podcast for a while now. Thanks. Just was too lazy to join. Understandable. But finally was motivated after seeing Stabbing Westward up for a poll. This album has so many feels to it as it chronicles the process of being in a relationship. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, At times, this album was a dark point in my life while personally going through a bad breakup of my own, but now finally being happy and content, I look at this album as a classic, being able to capture so many emotions on one CD. While Save Yourself was a huge hit, which I agree was a great track. Everything I Touch, How Can I Hold On, Sometimes It Hurts, Haunting Me, and When I'm Dead Really Stand Out as the best tracks on the album. Thank you guys for all you do with this wonderful music podcast and keep up the great work, thank you, Rory. We'll keep uh keeping on as long as you guys keep chiming in and giving us great feedback and talking about these records. Uh, Dewey Cole says this is tough, but that stabbing westward record is my favorite of theirs. Got to go with that one. Uh, Keith Badge went with Astero. Johnny Hooper went with Fugazi. And, he, and Keith Sawyer chimed in again and said, at least Stabbing Westbird inspired a great Wesley Willis song. I, I think Wesley Willis was inspired by a many-a artist, from what I remember of his catalog. Um, Patrick Testa said, I like much of the Astero record when it came out, and looking at it now, if someone someone would would say it's a perfect snapshot of the era, I would not have much to argue against that. So he went with Astero. And then Jim Laskowski also went with – well, he said I'm – his heart said Fugazi, but my brain is curious about a Stabbing Westward conversation. That is uh, what we assumed ha- happened with regards to the poll. That sound was ubiquitous after Nine Inch Nail broke through with Closer. Even jocks at my school were singing, What Do I Have to Do by Stabbing west- Westward?, and wearing their T-shirts. I remember buying cheap UCDs of bands like Gravity Kills and KMFDM, listening to them once, and then never picking up their follow-ups. Looking forward to all future episodes. Oh, well, thanks, Jim. And then we actually, so after the poll was won by Stabbing Westward, I put up a separate post for anybody who wanted to chime in specifically just on that. And uh, Patrick Testa mentioned a comparison to Gallows Underwater, and I think that that's probably going to come up by one of us perhaps me and then uh yeah so let's get into this record that's that's enough chatter about what people thought let's, a lot of good a, feedback a found. lot of good feedback very helpful so darkest days stabbing westward this is our second i guess industrial record in row. we just did skinny puppy now we're doing stabbing Westward. we have some comparisons to make uh maybe between the two uh that record got uh Slammed for being a, an attempt to be a commercial sellout, and we were like, "What? No, it's not." <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about. There was no accusations here. This was a band that was trying to get on the radio from their first record or second record. Ungod was their first record, but let's talk about this record. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Darkest Days by Stebbing Westward.
1: Uh, I like the. It's interesting to listen to this band because there's a lot of vocal uh, production going on here, and yep, uh, it's usually to really good effect. And I think what's what's interesting about it is I'm trying to figure out like how good of a singer he is, and how much of the effects he needs, and how of it, how much of it is just you know to to create an aesthetic for the music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good tricks here going on that that they, they use to really pull you in. Um, to parts where, you know, he gets into pretty much like a highly compressed whisper to full-on screams, um, and dynamically, music is really driven by how the vocal sounds, the way he sings, and the way it's produced. Um, There's also a lot of layering going on. There'll be sections where there's multiple versions of his voice, and then they'll also use reverb and delay um, to to great effect, so when he goes into the loud you know there's a wall of of guitars and keyboards at times and then he'll go into the scream and then they'll put on I, I guess it's a reverb um as well to really just create this epic huge arena sa- sized sound that that i I, I had a good time just pulling apart and and analyzing in general i think there's um you know i think for the most part they're just a rock band under the underneath all of this mm-hmm and it's really just production um, that creates like the industrial kind of sound. I think these songs are largely just rock songs when you deconstruct them, they're, you know, so you can hear the guitar riffs they're based on. Um, but I think they do a good job of, of deconstructing that and creating something that's more unique. I think if they didn't have all the electronic influences and the industrial influences and they didn't uh, spend so much time in the studio you know, kind of m- tweaking things and messing with things and breaking them, I, they would basically sound like Bush. You know, I, I don't think there would be uh, anything here that was uh, really that original. So I think the kind of co-opting the industrial electronic thing is is the way that this band can, uh, I think, distinguish themselves. So uh, so in all that, I, I, I appreciate the approach. I think it holds up fairly well we we'll get into it deeper, but I was kind of surprised that I found it to be, um, uh, for the most part, you know, it sounds fairly contemporary, I guess, or at least not totally ridiculously dated. Um, which I, which I assumed it would when I went into the record, uh, maybe because it's later in the nineties. Uh, I, I'm not sure, or I don't know, but, um, I thought it held up fairly well as well for being so technology heavy. So yeah, those are some of the highlights for me. What about
0: you? Yeah, I, I just want to backtrack real quick because I I've completely ignored it. This is the band's third record. Uh, first album, Ungod, came out in... Uh, yeah, no, sorry, 94. Wither, Blister, Burn, and Peel came out in 96. This came out in, on April 7th, 1998. And then a self-titled album came out 2001, May of 2001. And then there's been like compilation albums that have been released since then. And they're from Macomb, Illinois. It's it was The founders were Christopher Hall and um, Walter Flaccus. So in terms of the one thing that I liked, you know, you mentioned it, there is a lot going on here production-wise, and you can just sort of like sit back and, and listen just for all the insane amounts of uh, production. And I was looking at like, who was actually involved in this record. And it's Dave um, Jordan, or I think that's how you say his name, who has a rich history of production going back to the 80s with working as an engineer for Brian Eno and and Talking Heads and working with uh, Jerry Harrison and Frank Zappa, Herbie Hancock. I mean, the guy's just got like an insane... Ca- you know catalog of records that he's been involved with and then of course he produced like ritual de hello Bichelo by Jane's addiction and facelift by alice in chains and then later dirt by all he was the guy was basically responsible in some way for the sound of alice in chains which makes sense when you you know when you listen to this band because this band is basically kind of a, a little bit like alice in chains mixed with nine inch nails is a way i would describe it in terms of this heavy you know alt metal guitar sound combined with the, you know, synth and pulse of a nine inch nails when it's on, man, it really works well. It's like, and it doesn't, it doesn't sound aged. I was, that was the thing that I was concerned about is whether it was going to sound some of the stuff that we've listened to. I think it was primarily more though, like the danceier stuff when we were listening to the electronic episode that stuff tended to me sound a little more aged and a little more pinpointed in the 90s, whereas this sounds a little bit, I think because of his production and, and you know what the band was doing, there's so much going on that it doesn't sound quite... There's no particular sounds here and there that pin it to just being in the 90s other than knowing that this band is from the 90s. And I, that combined with the fact that they're clearly adept at writing... Vocal melodies and hooks. I mean, "Save Yourself" was the the lead single, and it did re- did pretty well, and it got them quite a lot of uh, play outside of just being a single for the band. It was used in multiple movies, and it was used in TV shows, and and other places, soundtracks for you know games and stuff. But there are a number of songs on here that, like after the first listen, I could I remembered the hook, and when I was going back through it, I was like the hook was in my head. The second time through and the third time through, um, it's a long record, which we'll get into that a little bit more. But the songs that work, that have that hook and that have a um, a pretty straightforward, you know, rock format in terms of verse, chorus, and verse, that kind of thing, those really work really well. And you know, being on a major label, I'm sure they had you know a lot of pressure to follow up that previous record, which had a big single on it. From what I can tell, they kind of did. I mean, there. This is one of the few bands that I can take a look at that had a breakthrough, big single, and then were actually able to follow it up in nineteen ninety eight. Which, you know, if you were to ask me, you know, what was a follow up single to Fast Balls the way, I would have no idea. Or, yeah. you know, what was Marcy Playground's fast, you know, follow up to Sex and Candy? I, I don't know what it is. So this, the fact that this band was able to write a song like Save Yourself, which became another huge hit. On a, on a follow-up record is kind of remarkable, based on what the track record was during the '90s.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I was, I'm with you on the, a lot of this record. It is a long record. Uh, I mean, if you listen to the show, you probably get sick of us talking about how long these records are, but it's 16 songs. It's a long record. Sixty four minutes. Yeah, it's well over an hour. So the fact that after a listen, I'm, I had the same reaction you did second time through, I I found myself very familiar with a lot of these choruses to the point where I started to question, like, did I have this record? And was this (laughs) a single? And it just all seemed like eerily familiar after one listen. Now, it's deceptively hooky and poppy. You know, I mean, there's parts in here where it gets really aggressive and loud and, you know, uh, but underneath all of it. There's some pretty solid alt rock songs and most of them are they surprisingly like in a three minute range Mm -hmm. too. So they do a pretty good job of trimming them up and getting to the point, really good production. Um, you know, everything on this is super compressed. Um, so every instrument on here is just compressed to the nth degree. Now that's part of the sound they're going for, but even still, you know, overall this this record could have in, in less capable hands could have sounded like a total mess especially now you know when you visit revisit some of these records uh, you know 20 years later but it, it still sounds pretty good now when you crank it it doesn't it doesn't sound as quite as great but if you're in a, you know just listening at a normal volume right. um For the amount of stuff that's going on, you get a good amount of separation and you can actually pull it apart and understand it. And that's saying something because this record's got – I mean they get to some of these choruses and there's distorted bass and like three distorted guitars and then a clean guitar and a keyboard over top and a backwards loop and two drum machines and like (laughs) – you know.
0: I would love to see like a making – I wonder if there's like a documentary or any sort of like behind-the-scenes footage – of them making this record. Cause like you and I have been in a recording studio with, mm-hmm. you know, a 24 track board. Yep. I could not imagine how this record is made with oh. all this stuff going on. Like they must've had 64 tracks and used every single one of them because <laughs> there is so much stuff. It is so dense. And not only is it dense, but like the fact that they're able to mix it all in a way that makes sense so that everything is actually incredibly well mixed and clear you can actually pick out every little oddball note that they're throwing in on a synth here and a keyboard there and, a you know, an extra, like you said, an extra drum percussion. And there's just so much stuff going on. You're just like, they must have spent weeks, just weeks tweaking each song with the mix. I just, it would, like, burn my brain out just trying to get through all of that. I guess you have to, you know, it starts with capturing the sounds and getting the sounds you want. But, like, man, oh, man, that has to be a long process to to actually get it all together. And I understand why there's multiple uh, assistant engineers (laughs) who are credited to this record. I think besides Dave Jordan, there's two other engineers and then four other assistant engineers who are just, I I assume that those aren't all just guys getting coffee. Like those are guys who are actually like, you know, helping with mixing and setting up equipment and getting sounds and all that kind of stuff. So I, there's, a lot going on and so the from what i read the reason why there are 16 tracks is because this is a, a a play in four acts essentially the first four songs are about um it's a concept album the first four songs are about sabotaging a relationship the second act tracks 5 through 9 are about lust hope and longing Act three, which is tracks 10 through 12, is about hitting rock bottom. And then acts, act four, which is tracks 13 through 16, is about recovery and self-respect. There you go, John. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know that in listening to this, I picked up on that. I needed to read about it to know that that was what was going on. Sure. Does that make a difference?
1: Well, I mean, you got to know if you don't. You don't hear it you don't hear it so you know you can that's all that's nice but you know as somebody who's done creative things at the end of the day people don't understand what you're trying to communicate then it's all for really for nothing i guess i'll just say that um reiterate a little bit what i said in that we we're pretty critical of records that are this long um there are some slow spots as we get into what we don't like but it it's a it's not a bad hour. I mean it's not it's no it's rough an hour as as you could imagine it could be. I didn't feel like the record really I didn't hear three different records or four different records. that's for sure, maybe lyrically, I guess if you really analyze the lyrics you you could get it, but there's not like a i didn't perceive a mood change from one you know the first, third, second third in the last section uh, so. I didn't right. perceive anything like that.
0: Yeah, me neither. And I I I wonder if that was something that was applied after or if that was something that was actually happening during the writing because I didn't pick up on anything that would separate the tracks, you know, when I'm listening to waking up beside you versus haunting me, I'm just hearing interesting songs. I'm not necessarily seeing some sort of a through line between those, you know, sections. of what doesn't work, I was actually I actually thought the album picks up steam after you get into it. Like I understand the purpose of Darkest Days, you know, this slow build, this quiet like build into something. But like it's a four minute long version. I think that if you're gonna do that, it needed to be like a minute if you want to do like an introduction track essentially for the yep. record. But it yep. just it kind of it dragged out a little too long.
1: Yeah, I mean to me the record doesn't really start until track three.
0: Yeah, that was that was one thing that somewhat, I I, would, I was not in love with. I think the comparisons, obviously, to Nine Inch Nails are inevitable because you know, Nine Inch Nails were such a important part of the '90s and and bringing industrial rock to the to the mainstream, um, both with Pretty Hate Machine and then with the Downward Spiral. And what what was interesting is that. When I was hearing this, I was almost hearing this as a bridge to, like, you know, obviously there's a a metal sound. But, like, some of the angsty aspects of the music started to bleed into, like, new metal territory. And that's where I started to hear, like, oh, we're, like, people who are into this might be into, like, corn, And that's not a place I really want to go to. But I Hmm. understand, like... You know, this sort of visceral rage, anger, angst. You know, we have brought that up before with certain acts and, and artists, with regards to um, you know what what was what were what were people rebelling against. Yeah. <laughs> and it seemed like when we get to like that second and third tier of of the '90s with regards to uh, new metal and post grunge or whatever you want to call it sort of like ran out of stuff to complain about. And it was just like complaining about, you know, just wanting to break stuff to put it in Limp Bizkit terms. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, I felt like this was at times teetering on the precipice of, you know, like God lives underwater is a band I really like from the nineties. Cause I, they, they, a lot of interesting synths sounds and, and grooves. And I really thought of them as more of an atmospheric and, and, I don't necessarily need to care what the lyrics about, just as long as there's a cool melody, and there's parts of that band that I hear in in this band, um, with like haunting me. But then some of the louder, more aggressively metalish sounding stuff, I was like, oh, like we're getting into like like new metal territory with some of this, some of these things, and that's where I kind of lost a, a little bit of interest when it got like really. Heavy and loud, and kind of lost some of the electronic aspects and became more of a metal band. I mean, I like save yourself. Yeah. But could you not hear that as like a you know somebody could listen to that and then like listen to like Freak on a Leash? <laughs> God,
1: you're making me feel bad about liking this record now.
0: Not that no, but I but here's the thing: I didn't think of it as a bad thing.
1: I, I honestly don't even know. I cu- I couldn't even tell you what that early corn stuff saving sounds like. I'd have to go listen to it to say for sure. You might be right.
0: I don't know, and it just might be just might be hearing like after. At, let me put it this way: in comparison to the skinny puppy record, which we just did, which yeah. when talking about like commercial appeal and whatnot, like that now sounds like it's from another planet compared to this. Whereas yeah. this seems very comfortable on radio even though they're essentially doing the same thing which is industrial rock like this is so clearly honed for radio and mtv in 1998 um that it's kind of funny that skinny puppy were considered to be doing the same thing although two years earlier which is when the the previous record would have come out yeah um so i don't know maybe this sounding so commercial made me think of like, and this is 98. So this is, this is a contemporary, not a precursor to new metal bands. So it's not necessarily fair to say there's some sort of like influence or anything like that, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. It just, it just, I I kind of heard some of the stuff that uh, was in that ballpark of like raging to rage, I guess. I don't, know, I don't know how else to put it exactly. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, there's some, there's some generic, like, sounding angst, you know. I mean, look no further than save Save yourself.
0: Right. That's um,
1: Just those lyrics alone are, you know, cannot save you, you cannot save me, you know, all this saving people from despair. <laughs> like, right. that was a very common theme in the 90s. I don't know. We should, you know, we could probably do a whole episode of just songs about people's talking about saving themselves or other people that will that'll dovetail right into our Superman songs episode. But, uh, <laughs> there's definitely quite a bit of that. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, this is easier to, I guess it's more accessible than the skinny puppy record is. I, I still think like, if you look at, I mean, rock radio is tough to say right, right now because what it is, but if you look at popular music, at least, like a song, a song like Save Yourself, being on pop radio seems insane right now. Like, right. everything that's on pop radio is just holy smokes! Like, the sweetest, l- l- nothing abras- abrasive at all. I mean, just you know, not there's no angst, there's nothing, it's just all like right. butter- butterflies and sex, like one or the other. <laughs> like, um, so. You know, from that standpoint, it's a little, uh, con- you know, timeline and context is important when you when you talk about this. And um, I definitely think they sound like a competent alt-rock band that writes some pretty great choruses and, and, and really understand dynamics. And then around it, it is all this other sort of aesthetic of electronic experimentation and industrial music. And I mean, I even heard like, you know, if you remember that Tea Party record, there's parts of this record that sound quite a bit like the tea party as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I hear deaf tones a little bit, I hear failure a little bit, but then you'll hear a section. It's like, Oh my God, that sounds like information society from the (laughs) eighties. Like, you know, straight up, you know, keyboard, keyboard sounds and drum machines. And, um, luckily I, I think that's, those are the parts of the record that I struggle with a little bit. Um, a song like drugstore. I like a lot, but there's also like this squealing prodigy fire starter sounding synthesizer to the whole thing, which, um, is okay. But at some point you're like, okay guys, you can turn that thing off. Like I got, it, I got it. <laughs> like it's not really adding anything in, anything to the song, you know, four minutes in. Um, uh, so there's, there's some, some trappings like that, that this record has, um, there are some slow, parts i don't think they do slow songs particularly well so uh a song like drowning track 10 not great goodbye probably should be the album ender but it's not another quiet brooding song like sort of it's in that last third that is a little bit of a struggle to get through songs like when I'm dead, which has great energy, but at that point in the record, you know, you really gotta be knocking me out. And I think that's where this record suffers is just that second, or I guess that last third, I think there's some good songs in there. It's just, you start to get so exhausted and anything that's not just incredible is not going to get your attention at that point. So it's really, you know, um, hard to evaluate the the last third of the record for me unless I was to take those songs out and just listen to them by themselves for a while but I I think there's some stuff in there that I like the thing I hate I like a lot it's just hard to say if it's better than some of the other material on the record because I I, I just think I get into a groove about track 3 and then through 3 till about 9 I'm solid on this record I like all of that I just can't say if any of the stuff towards the end is better than anything in the middle because by the time i get to track 12 i'm i'm getting pretty fatigued
0: yeah and especially when he does the like the screaming yeah like towards that the latter half of the record is when i'm like oh, okay i don't need this at the end of the record you should be cooling down now but then you realize oh it's only track 12 or 11 or whatever of course he's we're not at the end of the record we've got another, yeah. we've got another chapter to go in the story at that point so now, what's, you know, what's interesting is that I would have thought that based on the success of this record, you know, getting on to, you know, they have, this was a top 20 single, Save Yourself, um, and it was a top five single on the mainstream chart. So think about that. They made, they made top five on the U.S. mainstream chart, top 20 on the U.S. modern chart with Save Yourself and top four, two other top 40 hits from this record. They got dropped after this Cri- record. Like they, wow. were going, they were going to make their next record with Bob Rock. Wow. And then they got and they got dropped.
1: That would have been cool to hear.
0: Yeah, I would have been interested to see what he would have done with the band, because I would imagine some of maybe the more rock elements would have been brought out a little bit more. Because I don't think he's ever worked with, you know, this has been right after he worked with Metallica on Load and Reload. So I hmm. wonder what yeah. that would have sounded like.
1: Well, I. Um, but then I think of that uh, that Our Lady Peace record that he did that I hated. Oh, Gravity. So he can always go in that direction, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, although I th- didn't he do the cult record before that, Beyond Good and Evil? Right,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, and he did the, the self-titled cult record that we like a lot. And it's really yeah, pers- in a really cool way. So, I mean, you never know. There's, some of his stuff I love, and then there's other stuff. Where he's taken bands and just made them so generic, it's painful. Right. So you know where he'd go. It's almost like the more creative the band, the more he like whitewashes them, and the the less creative they are, the more creative he makes the record sounds.
0: So Jay, let's give our overall ratings on Darkest Days. Worthy album, and it's got to be you know pretty worthy to make for sixteen tracks. Uh, Worthy album, better EP, or decent single? Where do you lie? I'm going
1: to beat a worthy album. I can't believe. I know. I can't believe going in. I did not think I would like this record. But not all 16,
0: Um, right? You're going to cut it down to like 14, Yeah, and still beat an album, but like a 12-song album?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I I think this is a 12-song record to me. Okay. Uh, Now... Even at 16, there's nothing on here that I hate. There's a couple slow songs that I that I would skip, but I was surprised how much I enjoyed this and how how well it, it plays for, for, for being over an hour long.
0: I'll concur with you in the sense that 16 is ridiculous, but if you cut this to 11 or 12 songs, you got a really strong record. And I know that people are like, what? This is Stabbing Westward. They suck, blah, blah, blah. They're just Nine Snails Nails rip off it's it's not like it's it's in a different ballpark in terms of they're they're doing a little their own thing here and it's yeah there's ta- there's a little bit of night nails or some Loves underwater there's some depeche mode sounding things and some you know killing joke and ministry and all that stew is is in this record but like i said you know Dave Jordan brings that big guitar rock sound from working with people like Allison Chains on a bunch of records and it really makes this sound like a big rock record in a lot of ways too. So um it so it works in both and just sounds really cool.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's um it's a surprise. Yeah. I, I give it a shot if you haven't listened to it in a while or ever. Um give it a spin, to what you think.
0: Yeah. So if you like what you heard on this episode, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And of course, you can join us at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash digmeout for as little as a buck a month. You can vote in our polls like on this episode. You can get bonus content, which we throw up usually about once a month, and also be entered into our quarterly contest like the one we just had. So... For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
1: Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash Out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at
0: zazzle.com.